I'm Roy Lee Lindsay with the North Carolina Pork Council, and I want everyone to remember, bacon makes everything better. Hey folks, welcome back to the David Glenn Show, now seen and heard exclusively here on the new North Carolina Sports Network. Please be sure to bookmark and visit our new website, ncsportsnetwork.com, where you can find daily articles and direct links to our very wide variety of podcasts, YouTube channel offerings, DG Show t-shirts, additional merchandise options, and lots of other fun stuff. Our special guest today, Charles Davis of CBS Sports and the NFL Network, works as the game analyst alongside play-by-play man Ian Eagle, another friend of the program, and sideline reporter Evan Washburn on CBS's number two broadcasting team on NFL coverage. If you're a fan of the incredibly popular Madden NFL video game, you've also heard a lot of Charles Davis' voice there since he started doing voice work for that franchise in 2016. And you may be surprised how much work goes into such things. Charles is a fascinating guy who also has been, among many other things, an assistant athletic director at Stanford University, an operations manager for Disney's popular Wide World of Sports program, the tournament director of a PGA Tour golf event, a sports radio host in his hometown of Orlando, Florida, a sideline reporter for the NBA playoffs and the NCAA men's basketball tournament, a director of the United States Olympic Training Center, and yes, even more. On top of all that, he's universally considered one of the nicest guys in sports media, and he's been one of the most popular guest speakers I've had during my three years teaching sports media classes here in North Carolina at UNC Wilmington. Born in Tennessee, but raised from a very young age in New York State. He now lives in Orlando with his wife, Lisa. The couple has a daughter, Taylor, and a son, Parker, who actually played basketball at Division II Rollins College in Florida not long ago. Okay, as we welcome Charles Davis back to the David Glenn Show, one quick reminder, right here in Raleigh, one of my favorite restaurants for many years has been The Oak, Scratch Kitchen and Bourbon Bar. It's located on Lake Boone Trail, which happens to be a perfect location for a great meal and beverage if you're on your way to nearby Carter-Finley Stadium or perhaps PNC Arena for a concert, a Wolfpack or Hurricanes game, or another event. The menu is incredibly tasty and creative. The atmosphere is a lot of fun. The bourbon options are as high-end and varied as you'll find anywhere. The staff is super classy and first-rate, and I've always just loved the people, the food, and the overall vibe there. When I took Carolina Hurricanes owner Tom Dundon to lunch, yes, the billionaire guy who owns the hockey team, I took him to the Oak. Seriously, it's that good. Learn more or make a reservation by visiting their website, theoakraleigh.com. That's T-H-E, oakraleigh.com. Special thanks to Nick and Haley and their team, for joining the family here at the David Glenn Show and the new North Carolina Sports Network. Charles Davis joins us next. In sports, we talk a lot about impact players, 
who make a positive difference. When it comes to our state's economy, the North Carolina pork industry is a true MVP. Each year, the pork industry plays an important role in supporting rural communities across our state. It contributes more than $10 billion a year to the North Carolina economy and supports more than 44,000 jobs. Learn more about their positive impact at ncpork.org. The North Carolina Pork Council, the foundational partner of the North Carolina Sports Network. Okay, without further ado, we welcome our featured guest of the week. He will be on the call for Steelers at Browns this week with his CBS Sports broadcasting partners, Ian Eagle and Evan Washburn. He does great off-season work on the draft, the combine, and other things for the NFL Network. And if you enjoy the Madden NFL video game, you've heard his voice even more often since he joined that franchise back in 2016. Earlier in his career, you may have seen or heard him on ESPN, NBC, Fox, TBS, TNT, maybe even the Golf Channel. In his playing days, he was a multi-year starter for the Tennessee Volunteers and a regular member of the Southeastern Conference's all-academic team. And in 2019, he was inducted into the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame. Charles Davis Welcome back to the David Glenn Show, and welcome for the first time to this new North Carolina Sports Network. How are you? I'm doing great, David. Thanks for having me on, and congratulations to you with this new endeavor. I'm really fired up for you, and I know this thing's going to take off and fly, and I just, I just love it. Thank you for being such a good person to me for all these years, and for us having that connection we established and been able to maintain. So I find it really cool to be on with you now in your latest endeavor and challenge. And I know it's going to be a raging success. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I mentioned you're already in the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame, which is an actual thing. You're also a member of the David Glenn Show Hall of Fame, which really is only a figment of my imagination and that of my staff. There's no bricks I'll and mortar. You. I'll take <laughs> But, but I, that's, hey. how, that's how much we love you, Charles. We're going to get to I a lot of football. That. <laughs> We're going to get to a lot of football, of course. But I've always enjoyed sort of our life lessons with CD aspects of your visits. And you have always spoken highly of your upbringing in New Paltz, New York, where I know your dad was a successful coach. What can you share just to start us off today about those life lessons you learned at home as a young man? Because I'm serious when I tell you this, and it's not the first time. Everyone I've asked about you for 20 years running talks about you as a great person before they even get to you as a broadcaster or in other capacities. Well, that's awfully nice of everyone. They Maybe they don't know me as well as they <laughs> But I appreciate it. But I, I will tell you, my dad's from West Virginia, Bluefield, West Virginia. My mother from Elizabeth in Tennessee. They met, married. We moved to New York State when I was two, New Paltz, which I'm repping proudly, right? All right. My, my town, when we moved there in 1967, I'm going to say there was roughly 3,000 to 4,000 people there. 
All right. And as far as I'm concerned, it was idyllic in terms of growing up. Friends that I was in the sandbox with in preschool, I graduated high school with the vast majority of those people. There wasn't a lot of moving in, moving out. There's some, everyone has it. But let's say every 170 people in my graduating class, I'll bet you I was in preschool with 130 of them. Wow. I mean, that's just kind of the way it was in my hometown. You grew up, you 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 went away to college or you went and, and learned a craft. A lot of people came back home and settled. Sunday dinner, like you watch on Blue Bloods with the Reagan family. A lot of Sunday dinners where everyone came over for Sunday dinner within the family after they've settled and had their own. It's just a wonderful place for me, idyllically growing up. There's bumps and bruises and, and challenges for everyone. But the people, I, as I said, I was in the sandbox with and grew up with and went to high school with, I'm still in contact with to this day. And how fortunate am I? And by the way, the people I grew up with, imminently more successful than me. I mean, <laughs> big time more successful. You and I understand that in the medium we're in, we will get tagged with being successful because maybe we are on air. So we are, quote unquote, famous to whatever degree that is. But in my graduating class, I literally graduated with doctors, lawyers, people who who, who started their own companies. All right. I, I mean, I've got four guys in my class that I know are already retired because of their success in the business world. I just happen to be on TV. So people think that, oh, wow, Charles, you're, you're the guy from no, 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 no. <laughs> if you meet my people. And, and I, th- I find that very cool because it's every walk of life that, 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 that people I grew up with are in, men and women. And I'm so proud of all of them. Last thing, I was in Minneapolis-St. Paul for a preseason game this year. Woman that I grew up with, Susan, she and her partner own a restaurant in St. Paul, Jones in the Park, go there. I was able to go and have a meal there. Nice. She's the chef and to see her success and what she has done. That's just one minor story of all the successful people I grew up with. So when you're around people like that, that success is not a, a given it is a, a goal and you're going to get there. You work harder as well. It wasn't just me doing because I get to yap on TV. It was me swimming in that pool with people who are going to be successful and striving for success in every walk of life. And I get I still know them to this day. And I'm lucky that they let me talk to them. <laughs> hey, with that hard work in mind, Charles, I gave our audience just some extra details I think you used the word circuitous, which is a heck of an SAT word, to describe your path to becoming a a prominent NFL broadcaster. It is. And I'm right. I mentioned um, the U.S. Olympic Training Center job you had, uh, assistant athletic director at Stanford, tournament director of a PGA Tour event, uh, wide world of sports operation manager, uh, and much more. (laughs) What could you summarize that you learned? in those non-broadcasting jobs that may have helped you either ultimately get to a broadcasting position or maybe help you as you continue to be a successful broadcaster? All those jobs where there was some tedium involved. And, you know, I hear coaches talk all the time about 
to their players, hey, the boring stuff is the stuff that's going to carry us. You get sick of doing these drills. You get sick of doing the same stuff every day. But those are things that, you know, late in a ball game or what have you are going to carry us through. I had to learn to get through the tedium of some of the jobs you're doing because some of them are just not a whole lot of fun. You know, when you're what we call the duty manager at Disney's Wide World of Sports at two in the morning, walking the grounds to make sure everything's okay, you're thinking to yourself, I don't know that this is what I thought is is a successful deal. (laughs) But attention to detail, thinking macro, thinking micro. You got to see big picture in a lot of stuff that I did. And then you got to make sure all the details are taken care of. You've got to go through adjustments, adaptations, right? All those things, the flexibility, yet at the same time, knowing this is the way that at the end of the day, it has to be done. Certain things you can't give in on and being able to what you maneuver through all that, dealing with people, having people report to you, you reporting to other people. How do you adjust? What's the priority? I can go through all that stuff. And by the way, I'll bet you anyone listening to us, David is going, oh yeah, yeah, that's my life. Because that's life in a nutshell, right? It doesn't matter. Now, doing what we do, it's a little bit different at this point because you, I would I would assume, are your own boss at this stage because of what you're yeah. doing. But you had to come up through the ranks to get to that stage. I'm not my own boss, but I also don't have people reporting to me. You see, that's a whole different ball game right there, right? Yeah. And how you're dealing, what you're doing, so on and so forth. And like any good coach, if you have 15 people, five are going to pretty much like you. Five are going to probably not like you. It's that middle five, if you can capture them, that's going to determine whether you win or lose. I hear coaches talk about that all the time, and it seems trite, but I found it to be pretty true. Like, no matter what you do, you got five that are they're in with you. The other five are going to be, yeah, I'm kind of skeptical. They got other forces tugging at them. You know, their parents say, ah, that guy's not a good guy. And then you got the five who are undecided. Can you get those five? Because if you do, the five that don't like you are either going to get on board or they're not going to matter, if that makes any sense. It does. Charles Davis, always making sense here on the David Glenn Show. Uh, I remember you once volunteering to my UNC Wilmington sports media class, and you're a very popular guest there, uh, (laughs) that you were or have been lately the only NFL game analyst who is not either a former NFL player or a former NFL coach. And I know over the years, I mean, we've had a comedian like Dennis Miller in the occasional yeah, Monday Night Football booth. Yes. But but you're you're an oddity in a, in a good way, right? And we live in a world where sometimes, Charles, people, young people especially, have a hard time envisioning themselves somewhere if they can't see someone who looks like them or has their background – it's just harder to dream in those ways. So remind us, what kind of an obstacle was it? And for the record, Charles was an amazing high school football player, and I mentioned his Tennessee defensive back uh, excellence as well. It's not like he he just stumbled upon the gridiron, but that's a stunning fact that you are a category of one among the current uh, game analysts next to those play-by-play people. Yeah, I appreciate it, David. And I'll see if I can, for once, try and detail this a little bit. <laughs> it's hard for me because of my big yap. But we have a big platform. It's it's a broad I'm, canvas. I'm no longer one now because Kirk oh. Herbstreit's it, right? And Kirk is the lead analyst for the Amazon Prime game with Al Michaels. 
Kaylee Hartung on the sidelines. What a team that is. You talk yeah. about three sensational talents all together. Um, but Kirk played college football as I did, but neither one of us was an NFL player. Neither one of us was an NFL coach. Neither one of us was an NFL executive. I was doing it before him, but he's getting a lot of mention for it now because he's at a, the highest platform calling that game, and rightly so and deservedly so. I got no beef on it. Who cares about that? It's just that he and I are those oddities. But Kirk's been around for so long as the number one guy on the college side. I think it made it a more seamless thing for him. He was a quarterback captain at Ohio State. Those things help. The oddities that we grew up with, Howard Cosell would be that oddity. Never yep. remember his book. I never played the game, right? Yeah. Well, it's true. Dennis Miller, Tony Kornheiser, those were kind of one-offs, experiments, try it. Could have worked if they'd gone in different directions, I think, perhaps. So I'm not questioning them. Because you see Tony Kornheiser's talents each and every day, writing and doing it on air. Uh, Dennis Miller, I always he always used to crack me up. I mean, I thought he was just so sharp, so witty, so boom, and just bang. I wish I could keep up like that. Minds me a little bit. I'm not going to say 100% because politics or whatever, but just how quick and sharp he is. That's my partner, Ian Eagle. Ian oh, Eagle, yeah. I told him on air three weeks ago, David, you always say what I wish I could had thought of <laughs> so true so true damn he's so sharp and quick but the quickness of all this the, the bottom line of all this is i was a college football player and a decent college football player but i wasn't an all-star i wasn't an nfl coach executive player that's why it's a major oddity because if you never did it at any level at that league how are you going to get there and so i just kept working 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 and then a little bit of a fluke got me there they put me there after, remember the old BCS? I was calling the BCS yep. championship games with, with Tom Brenneman and, and Chris Myers and Barry Alvarez did the first one with us. But after that ended, I needed a place to go. It was over. And I was fortunate enough, David Hill was, was running Fox Sports then. And he told me, I'm going to put you on NFL games with Dick Stockton. And I said, oh, what, like a half season? No, full season. And I said, oh, wow. Whoa. And the first game I had that was for real was Philadelphia Eagles at Carolina Panthers. And I remember I asked Andy Reid, who was the head coach of Philadelphia then, I just asked him one-on-one, -on -one, Coach Reid, you know I never played, coach, whatever. Is this going to be a major struggle in this league? And he said, Charles, if you know what you're talking about, no one's going to care. And I just told Coach Reid this year, because that was 2015, how that impacted me. Okay, let me give it my best shot. Let me see if I know what I'm talking about. Because if so, Coach Reed said I'll be all right. I trusted what he told me, and he was spot on. As best I can tell, <laughs> I'm okay because I try to know what I'm talking about. The oldest restaurant in New Hanover County has a brand new look, feel, and taste, making it the number one place for great food in Wrightsville Beach. Owner Jimmy Galise and his wife Keaton have poured their hearts and soul into the reformation of this North Carolina coastal classic restaurant, and the impact has been fantastic. King Neptune serves fresh fish, chicken, and steak, and has an amazing wine and spirits to lift your dining experience to the make it the best at the beach. Come taste the creations of Chef Chavez, and you'll know that you have tasted a little bit of heaven right there in Wrightsville Beach. That's King Neptune. 
Call them at 910-239-3055 and make your reservation now. King Neptune in Wrightsville Beach, a proud partner of the North Carolina Sports Network. Charles Davis is joining us on the David Glenn Show. You mentioned 2015. One part of your resume that traces, I believe, to 2016 is the Madden NFL video game franchise, which is, for those who don't know, it's literally one of the most successful video games like in the history of the world. Not an exaggeration. Uh, bring us up to date. I mean, everybody loves playing these games, yeah. but how much time do you spend in studios each year cutting your part of the audio? And what can you tell us, or even what do you know about how others put all these various pieces together uh, after you and others have provided the audio so that it becomes the game that millions of people enjoy playing? Well, first thing, David, the people who actually do the game put it together, what's the expression? Above my pay grade, over my head, <laughs> I can't reach that summit. These people are way smarter than me. All of it applies. Because the people at EA Sports that put all this together, it is unbelievable the work that they do and how they collaborate and do things, fix things, come up with things. It's unbelievable. Myself and my partner, Brandon Gordon, who is now the play-by-play -play, uh, voice for the Atlanta Braves baseball team, fulfilling a lifelong dream. He also does NFL and college football for Fox and Westwood One and NCAA basketball. I could go on and on. I love him to death. We, we, he became a brother to me. Like we, that's how it, it came. We didn't know each other before. We were tabbed to be the new team because they decided at EA Sports they wanted to elevate the game even more, which Coach Madden had already put on the map like crazy. Yeah. But now it used to be, David, whatever number of hours the broadcast team did, and I think the last one before us was Jim Nance and Phil Sims, which was a powerhouse, the number one team at CBS. It's about 40 hours worth of content, and the game was the game was the game until the next year. You couldn't do anything more. So avid players know exactly what was going to be said in every single situation, right. understandably. What they wanted to do was to bring in a new team that would come in on Mondays and Tuesdays after games were played and provide new content that they could put directly into the game so the players would have it by Thursday. Wow. And that's what they created. I'd love to take response. I didn't. All, all Brandon and I did was go in and do the voicing. Now – when we're doing it, we have a script. We have great writers that we work with, but sometimes they will say, listen, this is what I have, but if you have other things, and so we ad lib and see what works and what doesn't work. So it's a number of hours. I never counted them, but I would just tell you, David, you go in after a Sunday game, you go in on Monday. It could be four hours on Monday. It could be four hours on Tuesday. And then as the season went on, when they needed you for other things, you would go in. And then as you were finishing the game, you'd go in three, four times a week. And then COVID hit, and we had to all learn how to do things from our homes. So now we can do it from our homes. So Brandon and I are still part of the franchise. I don't think I'm giving away any trade secrets here, but they're expanding it. This is the, the, the beauty of the EA sports people, the smartness of them. They're adding broadcast teams. So when you watch a game on – when you're pulling up NFL football on Sunday – you have the Sunday ticket. You have your choice of games to watch and broadcasters to listen to. They're adding broadcasters to the mix. I mean, I believe there's going to be three or four broadcast teams, and you as the player get to choose them. Wow. And I would guess that because Brandon and I have been doing it for eight years, the others will get chosen a lot more. <laughs> <because> <laughs> and by the way, 
I would too. I get it. <laughs> but but we're, we will still be a part of that franchise. And, and the people who are going to do it, there's some really prominent names going in and, and, and doing it. And, and I think people are going to really enjoy them. I want to be able to picture at some point in the last seven or eight years, you, your wife, Lisa, and some combination of your daughter, Taylor, and your son, Parker, playing Madden NFL while dad's voice is, is calling the action. Has that happened? It has happened a little bit. I will say this very quickly. The best street cred I ever got was from my son's friends when I became the voice of Madden. I'd called three BCS National Championship games. <laughs> I'd called NFL games. I'd been on TV shows. No street cred like I became the boy, one of the voices of Madden. And it was a thing. All of a sudden, the kids are at the house all the time. They're hanging out. And when I got the job, my son hugged me and he said, now remember, you've got to provide a lot of content because I don't want us to be playing the game and know exactly what the next line is going to be. <laughs> my high school said that directly to me. I love it. Hey, a lot, a lot of things in life, we don't even want to know how the sausage is made, as that old saying goes. I do think as much as people consume your broadcast and others on, on NFL Sundays and otherwise, people are curious. Can you remind us what day of the week are you arriving in your uh, game of the week? Uh, how much access do you have to head coaches, coordinators, players? Is that done in person nowadays? And then what else goes into that three or so hours where we end up enjoying that broadcast on a Sunday in your case? Yeah, everyone does it differently. And there's no right way, wrong way. You know how that is, David, in our business, right? We have our way and hopefully it works and resonates and connects. I typically arrive in the NFL city of the game I'm doing Thursday night. Friday morning, I will go to practice for the home team. I, um, depending on how we've organized things, we will meet with the head coach, the starting quarterback, and two other players of my partner's choosing, Ian Eagle and Evan Washburn. I talk to the coordinators offline, just me and them. And then I bring the notes and, and provide it and fill it in for everyone that we do. So I will, I will work with the teams and the team PR groups are fantastic. And we figure out the right time to do it. It could be any time, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Sunday, Friday, morning, whatever. And I try and bring notes. And I talk to the offense coordinator, defense coordinator, special teams coordinator. Then the visiting team, when they arrive, that's typically the time we will do it. And, of course, there's always adjustments. But when they arrive, we're at the hotel waiting for them. They know we're there, that we don't ambush them. <laughs> and, and they come in, and it's like clockwork. Whoever the first person is, they don't even go to their room. They put their bags down, they sit down, they do it. Again, head coach, starting quarterback, two players of our choosing. And then we have our production meeting on Saturday night, which is our group, to talk about the game, how we're going to come on air, what elements we have in the game, what are the graphics for the game, the starting lines we're going to present, are the starting lineups correct? Have there been any changes? And we all scrub them with each other. And it's really got to be an ego-less place because a lot of times you will bring ideas there. But if we don't think it fits for what we're doing, then it's out. I think it's a lot like people who in the entertainment business tell me about Saturday Night Live where they do their skits, their run-through yeah. on skits, and not everything gets through. 
And I remember Larry David telling a story about being going like six straight weeks without any of his things getting through. And he quit, yelled at Dick Ebersol and Lauren Michaels that he was quitting. I'm tired of this, blah, 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 and left and said the cold air hit him and went, uh oh, what did I do? <laughs> and then he said he talked to his neighbor, who is the real Kramer, and told <laughs> him the story. Yeah. And the real Kramer said, just go back in. Like, don't act like you never quit. And you remember that Seinfeld episode? That was based on a true story. Larry David That's said, great. okay. And he went back in. And it turned out that Ebersol and Lauren might never heard it. They had, they had on headsets when he was yelling at them. They never heard him. Everyone else did. And he sat to tell them, like, you, what are you doing? You quit. They don't know that. And <laughs> never missed a beat. Never missed a check. Never missed a day. The whole deal just went back in. And that became the episode. But it's a real story. How great is that? I love it. You always give us a good surprise. Charles Davis joining us on the David Glenn Show. Yeah, but that's what we do, you know, and we plan all this stuff. Listen, we plan our what we call escape after the game, who's in what car, how we're getting to the airport, you know, who has what flights, all of that. That has to be a part of it so the organization is there to make sure everything moves the way it's supposed to. What time are we going over to the stadium in the morning? Who's riding with whom? Blah, 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 blah. But the big stuff, obviously, okay, this is our game. And David, by the way, you mentioned we have Pittsburgh at Cleveland this week. AFC North, bare knuckles brawl. Word just came down yep. that Deshaun Watson's going to have shoulder surgery and is out for the season. Wow. Cr it's, it's crazy that you even know that because you spent a few minutes with us before we started. And, I, I mean, it's basically happened while we're chatting. So you are, you are up to the second. And that's a big piece of news. Yeah. So, so that, you know, now <laughs> might change a few things about what we're going to talk about. So we'll see how it goes from there. We're going to get to the team with the worst record in the NFL in a minute because they happen to be right here in our backyard in North Carolina. But let's start with the best teams in the NFL here at uh, basically midseason. If you had a top tier, a handful of teams that if they stay healthy, they're at least the most likely to play in the Super Bowl or have a chance of winning it. How many teams are on that top tier for you, and who are they? Well, if we as we sit here right now, let's go AFC, where everyone seemingly is in it, right? In the East, it's the Dolphins, but they haven't beaten anyone good yet, all right? But they are the team right now in the AFC East because everyone else is falling off. New England's not a threat. Buffalo's struggling like crazy right now. Okay. The Jets, we know what the issues are with them. Right now, it's Miami's to lose. In the South, AFC South, Houston is making a heck of a press now. We thought it was Jacksonville going to run away with it, but what D'Amico Ryan's and Houston are doing, big time. But do I put them in the upper echelon? They've had some good wins, but remember, they lost at Carolina. Yeah. So, so I don't know if I have them upper echelon, but I know I've got an eye on them. That's for sure. We saw them beat Tampa Bay. You go out west, it's Kansas City. And, oh, by the way, Denver's won three in a row now. The Raiders yeah. have won two in a row now. Is someone going to put their Dukes up and be a contender? Because it should be the Chargers, but they can't They can't stop people on defense. So, to me, it's Kansas City and Chase still. Cincinnati, we keep waiting for them to get in. They've had some injuries now. They lost a tough one last week. Who's going to come out of the AFC North, and will they have anything left to give <laughs> after they've beaten each other up coming down the stretch? Pittsburgh? How they're six and three, people can't understand it because they're minus 26 in point total. They're minus this. 
but they're plus 10 in takeaways in turnover ratio. That wins games for you. I could go on all day. Go to the NFC. We have a little more defined to me. San Francisco, Philadelphia, Dallas, um, who else about Detroit. There's my upper echelon right now. Doesn't mean others can't get in it. Sure. But that's where we are right now. And yes, Detroit, they're legit. I want to get your sense over the years of the importance of ownership at the NFL level, team ownership, because every once in a while, Charles, we'll see a Dan Snyder that people seem to agree was a big part of the reason that the Washington franchise just went off the rails. And then there's other franchises where you almost never hear the name of the owner or you don't often hear their name in the headlines and certainly not the more footballish it gets, the less you hear about the owner, right? Here in our backyard, David Tepper is one of the wealthiest owners in all of American sports, not just a billionaire, which is no. nice, but mega billionaire. So yeah. no doubt about his success as a businessman. But since he bought the team from the only other majority owner this franchise has ever had, Jerry Richardson, it's 0 for 6 in going to the postseason. What is your sense of the, the culture with the Panthers as a lot of fans here are they're either pointing fingers, as you would know, at, yeah. at Frank Reich is the first-year coach. Bryce Young is the number one pick quarterback. Yeah. And a lot, increasingly, because of the Matt Rule failed experiment, are pointing it at David Tepper. Starting with the owner, what, what's your sense of that situation? From, my, from the outside in and having spent no time with, with David Tepper and Mr. Tepper, my sense is watching him, he really wants to succeed. This is not just a toy and he's just throwing things around and what the heck. He really wants to succeed. He wants to be in that upper echelon of teams, ownership. He wants to be a model, the whole deal, but they just can't get it right for whatever reason. And again, because I'm not involved, but when you see an organization that is constantly churning below the owner, ah, CEO here, no, CEO there, in. That's no stability whatsoever. You don't have that. You know, I'm going to build the new friend and build the new practice facility in our new place. Walk away from it. I'm going to hire this coach. I'm going to outbid these teams for that coach. Three years later, he's not that guy. They just have not gotten traction. But I don't believe it's because of a lack of caring. I don't believe it's because he doesn't want to be great. They just have not figured it out yet. I'm hoping that they do. Obviously, because this is this is a good franchise has been to two Super Bowls. So, they, you know, in the right light, things can work for them. Bryce Young, I picked him as the number one guy. So I'm not going to sit here and, and, and try and now have revisionist history. OK, and just two weeks ago, he went head to head with C.J. Stroud and somehow had better statistics. And his team won the game against a Houston team that we're all lauding right now. And rightly right. so. But that was the one shining moment and it hasn't been followed up on. They've got to get some things figured out. I think it's an overall deal, but I came into the season with optimism for them because I thought Scott Fitterer was doing a nice job as a GM. I thought he brought in good talent. Frank Reich, I was convicted. I have conviction on as a head coach. I'm not crazy about seeing Frank. I'm going to give up play calling. Now they're talking about I'm going to take play calling back. I think I thought he should have stayed the course the whole way, but that's just me. And again, that's outside look again. We had him once this year up in Seattle. Right. And I love Frank Wright. Played against him in college. I think he's a great choice there for Carolina. I'd like to see that 
straight down. Okay, this is how we're going about doing it and figure it out. And the biggest one, of course, is because C.J. Stroud's having so much success, David. Yeah. Bryce's Bryce's lack of success is getting worse. You better surround him. You better be in there with him because once a quarterback loses confidence, you and I know it's hard to get back. There are a lot of really good quarterbacks that we never saw blossom because they lost confidence early. I'm not saying Bryce has, but if I'm Carolina, that support system better be strong, and I think they've got a good one. McCown is the quarterback coach. Frank Reich is the head coach. Thomas Brown's the offensive coordinator. These are quality people that they're going to surround this young man with, and they're going to need to continue to do that because it's not over. It's his first year. Yeah. But C.J. Stroud has really made this thing difficult. If you're a Carolina Panthers fan, you're like, what are we doing? But, David, tell me if I'm wrong. When it, when push came to shove during draft time, wasn't it pretty, oh, yeah, we want Bryce Young. Yeah, and, and you know, because talking, you do – I'm talking fan base. Yes, for the most part. It's hard to measure that, but I think you're right. Um, I mean, that's, just kind as, of, that's kind of what I got out of it. I mean, yeah, just as you, you were on the NFL Network talking – I mean, it's really cool to see you out of season with all the work you do on the Combine and the NFL Draft with the NFL Network. I mean, you dive into these details more than you could possibly follow given your travel schedule. You can't follow Bryce Young every week and – and every last nook and cranny the way maybe you could uh, just dissecting his college tape. You probably have talked about the track record of number one overall quarterbacks is insane. Oh. Like it's one of the most fun articles I've written in the last right 12 months because I kind of knew there was the theme there where Andrew Luck was literally the only number one guy at quarterback who led his rookie team to the playoffs. And was, there's these – Future Hall of Famers who were, you know, on Troy Aikman's first years in Dallas. It's incredible. So given given that backdrop, what are the things that you look for in the young quarterback to differentiate those whose bad rookie year is a sign that they're going to be a flop, which does happen, versus – I mean, there's an extraordinary number of bad rookie QBs who were number one overall – not all of them went to the Hall of Fame, obviously, but a bunch right. did. Others won Super Bowls. Others hung around in the league as 10-year starters. Right. What What are those details now that you have the, the eyes of, uh, rather than the talent scout, you have the eyes of an NFL observer? I think, David, mainly, uh, do they stay in the fight? You know, Peyton Manning set a rookie record for interceptions. Yeah. And he was struggling like crazy. And they kept the Bruce Arians and crew kept him in the fight and figured out ways, give him small victories in terms of completions and drives and things of that nature to make sure the confidence doesn't go away. But will they stay in the fight? And I think Bryce will. And I'm looking forward to watching that down the stretch because that is an indicator to me as he goes on. The hard part is when you're watching a game and you really can't distinguish between the number one overall pick and the undrafted free agent out of Shepard. Yeah. That's a tough one. And I'm not saying again, that Bryce isn't going to be great. And I'm not saying Tyson Bajant won't make it. He's already out there. He may, but the odds are Bryce will, if he stays confident, he can ascend to who we expect him to be. <clears throat> and Tyson's got a much bigger, tougher road. Cause we've seen guys come along and have a little bit of success 
hard to stay the course. Remember Nick Mullins? Yeah. How it started? Now, it's not 100%, but the vast majority of people taking their teams to Super Bowls are former first and second round picks. Here in our backyard, the University of North Carolina has a weird statistic hovering over its football program. The Tar Heels produced, Charles, zero starting NFL quarterbacks in the entire 20th century. Uh, and yet now, in kind of fairly rapid succession, you've talked about first-round first, first round pick Mitch Trubisky, who's now a backup at the NFL level, fifth-round selection Sam Howell, now starting for Washington. Who we and, thought might be a first-rounder. And, and coming up next year, Drake May yeah. is expected to not only be the, a first-rounder, but a really high first-rounder. Uh, let's start with Sam Howell. He barely played as a rookie last year, full-time starter. He seems to rotate between driving Ron Rivera crazy with some of his decision-making. Yeah. But also, I mean, he has some big-time throws that even some other NFL starters can't make. What is your assessment for that second-year player who, who, yeah, seems like a lot better than a fifth-round draft pick? And some toughness. And we saw that at Carolina because – his junior year, I think it's junior. I can't even tell what years these guys are. His second to last year at Carolina. So when he put yeah. the big numbers with Deami Brown, De, you know, Jazz Daz Newsome, all that crew, right? Uh, Josh Downs. Then those guys were gone. Yeah. And he had to change his game and he had to become a big running threat, a bigger running threat, and had to kind of carry things along. And I think that sometimes he got harshly graded for some of that stuff and ended up as a fifth rounder. When we had talked about his potential first, second round guy, we're seeing that talent, that first, second round talent. But the toughness in running the football and bringing a team along, we're seeing that as well because he was on pace to set a record for getting sacked that was off the charts. Like David Carr, the former Houston Texas guy, was like, oh, my goodness, that's bringing – flashbacks to my rookie year about what you're doing yet he's hung in there and keeps delivering keeps firing and you're right he's driving his coach crazy at times but he's also showing a lot of chutzpah in there being able to hang in and and do his thing you know drake may his dad mark may played quarterback at north oh, yeah about the time i was in school at tennessee and i got a chance to meet mr may this offseason and and, and and see drake he may very well be the number one quarterback when it's all said and done. It's going to be an interesting battle in what we're seeing. And I thought he tried a little bit too hard earlier this year, some of the interceptions, forced a couple of them, whatever. But when he's loose and turning and, and, and going, he's fun to watch. And, you know, and, and just watching, you know, long, levered, beautiful thrower, moves better than you probably expect. It's fun to see. But, it David, it just tells me how the game has changed. Yeah, quarterbacks are coming from places we never expected before because we are playing seven on seven in Pop Warner ages and coming up through and they're getting the quarterback coaches and they're throwing the ball and they're doing stuff on the board. You Look, this great state of Texas should be our indicator, right? When you and I were kids, it was all runners. Wishbone, yeah. pitch, it to your yeah. pitch it to your halfback. Turn it loose that way. Now it's all quarterbacks coming out of Texas, all pitchers and catchers. And that's just the way the game has evolved and changed. Last thing for Charles Davis. We'll get him out of here on this. And by the way, CBS Sports, of course, NFL Network. For the record, Charles himself was a brilliant high school quarterback. <laughs> I believe 
started his time with the Tennessee Volunteers. I, I think the people knew Paul's might go, uh, really? Uh, uh, well, like, I, 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 I know that they supported me, so I appreciate that. That D-back thing worked out quite nicely. You uh, know, so, when, when, when they told me to turn around and backpedal in Tennessee, that told me what they thought of my right arm. <laughs> <laughs> All's well that ends well when it comes to that. Right. Um, I'm fortunate. I picture in your world that, whereas, of course, you're you're a fan of college football. You see a little Drake May. You see a little Caleb Williams of Southern Cal and Bo Nix of Oregon and all these other guys. Uh, and, and, and you'll do your deeper dive, I imagine, you know, once your NFL duties are over and you're preparing for the, the combine and the draft and all that stuff. So I'll hit, you're welcome to talk about any of those guys. But more generally, I saw an interesting observation where someone said one of the reasons that the NFL is not quite ready to expand, and we're seeing this international reach, and maybe at some point we're going to have international franchises, right. is that they're not sure they have enough high-level starting quarterbacks to be at the point where you could support whatever, a 30-16 league or something like that. Given what you see currently in the NFL, plus I could list, and you could, 10 current college guys that might be future NFL starters. Do you feel okay about where things are at that position, given what's in place and what's on the way? I do, actually, David, because in our lifetime, no matter what the size of the NFL was, there were never enough good starting quarterbacks. That's true. I mean, it doesn't matter. And part of that is not necessarily that there's not enough talented people. It's who you go to, what system they're doing, and how you're being coached. I, I, I'm pretty sure that if there was any way that we could go back and go through a number of quarterbacks that, that, that quote-unquote busted, that we liked coming out, and find out their situations, if there's any way we could have pulled them and put them in other situations, they might have had success. You know, what's the difference in the defining thing? It's not necessarily always that young man just didn't have it. Sometimes he's put in bad situations. Look, if Steve Young's career isn't enough of a cautionary tale to tell us well, you got to be in the right spot with the right yeah. people to let it all come, I don't know what to tell you. Steve Young was as talented a guy as we knew. He could have been a professional running back. Steve Young's a phenomenal athlete, but he signed that big money deal with the USFL and the LA Express. Eh, how'd that work out? Then he ends up in Tampa Bay when they really were, when Chris Bremer was talking about them in Green Bay. The Bay of Pigs game, they were awful. And his habits just were terrible because he was trying to survive. Then he goes to San Francisco and sits for a while, heals up, comes under Bill Walsh and that tutelage, Joe Montana and that system. And when it's time to take off and go, fashions a Hall of Fame career. Roger Staubach should have never happened. Naval Academy, Heisman Trophy winner, but a five-year, legit five-year hitch had to serve it. Yeah, yeah. You know what he did on his leaves? He would go to Dallas and go to quarterback schools, we called it then. Now it's known as OTAs and minicans. But he never got to play for five years. But he ended up in Dallas. Coach Landry was skeptical. Craig Morton was the guy. Remember, they were rotating quarterbacks every yeah. other play? yeah. Dan Reeves did that later with Denver with Sean Moore and, and Tommy Maddox in a couple of ball games. He got that from Coach Landry. But people were skeptical because Roger could move and scramble. He'd be perfect for today's ball. But he found a way to fashion a 10-year career. I'm not even mentioning the guys that we've seen come through 
that we thought had potential, but they didn't make it. Is it always all their fault? I don't think so. And that's why I think we have enough quarterbacks, but we're not necessarily getting them in the right places, the right time, right system. By the way, how's Josh Dobbs doing? And no one thought he would ever be a starting quarterback in the yeah. NFL. So that's kind of where it goes. Sometimes you got to have someone who believes in you and gives you that extra opportunity. And then some of them seize it and off they go. Kirk Cousins was never supposed to happen. He was he was the second quarterback taken on his own team after RG3. He's supposed to be a yep. career backup. I just think a lot of times it's opportunity in places. And I'm going to leave it with this, David. A former NFL coach who won a Super, who won a Super Bowl told me one time, I'm going to leave nameless because I want him to own it on his own. He said, we spend millions and millions and millions of dollars evaluating quarterbacks every year. Sometimes I think if we just do this and throw the dart, dart, dart up there, we come out with about the same same hit percentage. <laughs> somewhat tongue in cheek. How many times do we draft quarterbacks in the first round and about half make and half don't? It's kind of where we are. I've always loved a couple phrases. One is it's an educated guessing game, right? It's not quite. It's not quite throwing darts blindly, but it sure as heck ain't a perfect science. And the other is, and you're a super dad, so you know this, it takes a village to raise a child. I, I think, given your points, it, it might take a village in a different way to raise a successful quarterback. And it's a village that has to be coordinated in the same direction. It can't be for all of our golf friends out there who will tell us, you can't have multiple swing coaches telling you different things. You'll never pull the club back. If you got multiple people to, in your ear, they need to be telling you the same thing so that you're all coordinated. That's why Carson Wentz had success early in Philadelphia. Frank Reich was part of that. Head coach was a quarterback in Doug Peterson. Frank Reich was offense coordinator, former NFL quarterback. Uh, John Filippo, quarterback's coach, all speaking the same language, all teaching the same things, all coordinated in their efforts. Carson Wentz blossomed until he didn't. People forget he was going to be the MVP of the league. His yeah. second year in the league. As an Eagles fan, I remember all the ups and downs. And he busted up his knee out in California, stayed in the game, threw a touchdown pass, and then was done for the year. And Nick Foles happened. But bottom line was he was being coached the same way with the same language, the same people. That's what Frank Reich's trying to do with Bryce Young with what he has in place in Carolina. Hopefully, he'll have the same type of success and then more. Because I really like Bryce Young. That's an adult. That's why I liked him as my number one guy in today's football, despite the size. If he had played back when we were younger, he had no chance. Because right. back then, those were all not penalties. The, the official would lean over a quarterback and just ask, can you get up? <laughs> he, he just hit you with a two-by-four. Can you get up? There's no flag. Now you can survive with those things. But, David, think about the quarterbacks when we were younger. Dan Marino was a monster. Boomer Esiason was a monster. Peyton Manning fit that mold. All right? Talk about big, strong, strapping lads throwing the football yeah. downfield because they had to absorb those hits. Phil Sims taking those shots. Now it's a little bit different because now it's a flag. It's a flag. It's a flag. He survived better. Your quick golf reference there flashed me back to the Gray Goose 19th hole, if I remember the name correctly. Back Great when uh, – that was the golf channel, right? So yes, anyway, was. I could talk I could talk to you all day, my friend. I appreciate this visit on the Oh my gosh. You're just you're a fascinating guy. I just love our conversations. Thanks for supporting our new venture. 
And thanks, thanks for, for this, me. like, it's probably visit number 100 over the last 20 years here on the David Glenn Show. Let's go for 100 more with the new endeavor, okay? I appreciate you so much and continued success to you. You've been an incredible friend, a person that I look look up to, and I, I just appreciate who you are as a, as, as a, as a human being. So I think we're all trying to be that person. Amen. Where it's all of us working through this stuff. You're one of those people who does it. And so I look to you for my example. Thank you, David. Well, I feel the same way about you. I appreciate you saying that. And if I ever do actually create a brick and mortar version rather than my imaginary version of the David Glenn Show Hall of Fame, I will hire somebody really skilled to, to come up with your sculpture. <laughs> well, I wish him luck. And, and, and you never know with a sculpture. I'll leave you with that. <laughs> yeah, Jordan, some of them don't turn out very flattering. Isn't that right? Sometimes you never know with the sculpture. You're like, is that me? <laughs> hey, man, keep up the good work. Say hello to another, of uh, truly another person. This is not lost on you, I know. I, I do think of you as a human being and celebrate you in that fashion, even before I love you as a broadcaster. But your partner, uh, Ian Eagle, it's best. funny. It's funny in a weird way that you guys are partners because you're two, two you're, you're kind of, you're, you're two pillars of what I've tried to do as a media member for 20 some years, man. It's, it's so cool that your circuitous journeys led to each other. And I just root for both of you every time I see you. And, and even when I don't happen to catch you on a particular Sunday. So thanks again. I'll get you out of here with that. Uh, have fun this week with your, uh, Cleveland Pittsburgh game and, and we'll catch up again down the road. Look forward to it. Continued success to you. Thanks, David. You take care. Thank you. You too. That's Charles Davis. We'll be back with some final thoughts right after this. The original Saltworks has been serving the Wilmington area for over 50 years. Owner Bob Hubbard and his staff create a welcome atmosphere to go along with their home cooked breakfast and lunch that simply cannot be rivaled anywhere in North Carolina. Eggs, waffles, hot dogs, crab cakes, and the best grits in the state. The original Saltworks, a proud partner of the North Carolina Sports Network. Hey folks, David Glenn here. I cannot offer a greater endorsement or a bigger compliment than telling you about the folks that I use for important matters in my own life. That's the case with the Lawson Insurance Group, led by three actual brothers, Ken Lawson, Miller Lawson, and Michael Lawson. These guys operate a very successful family-oriented business right here in Raleigh, and that office happens to be one of those beautiful blends of NC State grads and UNC grads and graduates, fans and supporters of other colleges and universities all over North Carolina. I know these guys, I trust these guys, and I send these guys my own insurance business business and that of my family. The next time you have insurance needs, I hope you'll do the same. The Lawson Insurance Group is known for its commitment to community and its dedication to ensuring that North Carolinians and their businesses are prepared for life's inevitable challenges. With the reminder that as a high street insurance partner, Lawson Insurance Group offers local expertise and support that combined with high street's extensive national resources means more choice and support for you as their client. As we speak, Miller Lawson's helping the Glenn family with our auto insurance needs and Ken Lawson is the guy to call for your commercial insurance needs. If you Google high street Lawson Insurance, their website will be the first to pop up.
Okay, that'll do it for today's edition of the program. One last thing, our weekly reminder, please subscribe to our official YouTube channel, Instagram, and Twitter accounts here at the new North Carolina Sports Network. Remember, our social media handle is at the NC Sportsnet, at T-H-E-N-C Sportsnet. When you subscribe to our YouTube channel in particular, we have tens of thousands of followers and subscribers in other contexts but the YouTube channel, we really just recently started ramping up. Remember that it is free. We're seeking to get to 1,000 and then 2,000 and more. It's as easy as clicking the subscribe button next to this video box where you may be seeing me right now. When you subscribe, you're automatically eligible for very cool prizes. This is the YouTube channel, remember, including free tickets to upcoming college and professional sporting events, free concert tickets. We've actually taken viewers and listeners to concerts, the lovely and talented Maria and I, my wife. Free rounds of golf with or without me. Free dinners at some of North Carolina's best restaurants with or without me or us. That includes the Oak in Raleigh or King Neptune in Wrightsville Beach, two of our sponsors here at the David Glenn Show. We recently gave away one grand prize. The winner had about 10 options and picked four tickets to a Carolina Panthers game. Seriously, I was surprised as well. We gave away about a dozen smaller prizes too. We will be randomly drawing more winners again when we hit 1,000 and we are almost there at the 1,000 subscriber threshold. So please subscribe today. If you haven't already, get your friends and family members to do so as well. Remember, whether you were subscriber number one or subscriber number 999, you remain eligible for all of the big and small prizes that we will give out in the coming weeks and months. The David Glenn Show is an exclusive production of the North Carolina Sports Network. Executive producer, Mike Waddell. The founding partner of NCSN is the North Carolina Pork Council. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for spending some time with us today on The David Glenn Show. We look forward to seeing you again, maybe even on one of our old North State tailgate and traveling sports circus stops here in the coming weeks, high school football, college football, and otherwise. Have a great week. We look forward to seeing you next time right here on the North Carolina Sports Network.